Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Appreciate everybody tuning in. We have some fascinating, fascinating stuff to talk about this week. Clearly some uh, very interesting news late in the week about a proposal made by some Board of Trustees members uh, to possibly name the field after Joe Paterno at Beaver Stadium. We'll get to that in just one second. I want to tell you how the week played out, though. Um, kind of interesting and ironic a little bit, to be honest with you. I host a daily radio show in Central PA. I have for about uh, 14 years. And earlier in the week, I got a call on my show uh, from a listener, a Penn State fan, who often asks a lot of great questions. And he said, why is Penn State behind in NIL and with the largest alumni association in the world? And, uh, you know, what, why does Penn State struggle financially compared to some of the other behemoths around college football? And so I went into a really long answer that it really went back 20 and 30 years. I talked about the STEP program, the seat licensing and, and how that came about several years late and it cost Penn State money. And I got into how Penn State kind of rested on its laurels with facilities for a good while um, and let everybody kind of catch up and pass them. And we also got into, obviously, Joe Paterno. And after Joe Paterno, uh, I, I again, this is earlier in the week, okay? I'm just trying to paint the time frame for you here. And I mentioned, hey, look, you got folks like Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano that you know have their priorities in the wrong place and they're still trying to work on Joe Paterno restoring Joe Paterno's legacy more than they care about the current success of James Franklin's program and the Penn State football program moving forward. So I talked about this uh I think it was Wednesday. I got into it at that point mentioning Jay and Lebrano. Well, then the news comes out the following day and this is the irony of it of the the Spotlight PA story mentioning how some board of trustees members had had met allegedly behind the scenes uh, to discuss naming the field at uh, Beaver Stadium after Joe Paterno. So I had already kind of gotten into this stuff with the past for a good 25 minutes with Mark Wogenrich from All Penn State uh, a day earlier, uh, unbeknownst to us at the time that the, these meetings had been going on between some board members, and we, we assume it was Jay and Anthony Lebrano. If there were others, we'll, we'll see. Um, and so I'd already kind of been on a roll this week talking for a good bit about the way Penn State has hurt its football program because of some past decisions and actions by people. I'm not talking about the scandal. I'm not talking about Sandusky or anything like that. I'm talking about, you know, financial decisions, again, resting on your laurels financially, not renovating Beaver Stadium a whole lot sooner. Again, so just to let you know, the second and third segment of this podcast will be my very lengthy discussion with Mark Wogenrich from All Penn State because we, we get into some fascinating stuff how fans don't like James Franklin. A lot of fans don't like James Franklin. You're, you might be one of them. And are you going to give the full amount of money that you could possibly give to support a football program if you don't necessarily like the head coach? Well, why don't you like the head coach? Well, for a lot of you, it's because he's not Joe Paterno. James Franklin is not Joe Paterno. And, and you, you don't want to like James Franklin. Yes, a lot of it has to do with the fact that he can't win big games and there are clear football reasons to be critical of James Franklin, 
But the point I was trying to make, and again, I get to this in a lengthy discussion. Penn State needs a lot of money, $700 million to renovate the stadium. They need a lot of money to catch up in NIL. They need a lot of money to try to be on equal footing with Ohio State or some other behemoths around the country. Largest alumni association in the world, why don't they get more money from people? Well, maybe it's because people don't want to give more money because they, one, don't like James Franklin. Two, maybe they want to see Joe Paterno's legacy restored or what have you. I mean, there are a lot of issues with with regards to the Penn State football program that, quite frankly, no other college football program in this country has to deal with. There's no other Joe Paterno type of situation that anybody else in this country has to deal with. Ohio State, Alabama, they don't they don't pine over Bear Bryant's legacy and restoring it somehow to Alabama. They don't have board of trustees members spending time trying to restore Bear Bryant's legacy. Or at Ohio State, they don't have board of trustees members trying to restore some legacy for Woody Hayes. They have it at Penn State. They've got two very prominent board of trustees members. And now I'm going to get into this because I know a lot of you may want to hear my thoughts on this after seeing what I wrote um, Friday and Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning uh, with my thoughts of Jay and Lebrano. Quite frankly, the word I use is sabotaging. The Penn State football program. I think they, I think the, 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 the nice way to put it is undermining. I think they undermine James Franklin and the football program. I think, quite frankly, you, you could say they're sabotaging the fit, the football program because they are so hell bent on restoring Joe Paterno's legacy that it embarrasses the current Penn State football program on a national scale when these kinds of things come up. Now, listen. I've covered Penn State football for nearly two decades. I came in for the last five, six years of the Joe Paterno era. I know full well how strongly many of you feel about Joe. Many of you still love and worship Joe. Feel like he did. He, he is the reason Penn State football became a powerhouse. And a lot of people still, a lot of fans still feel like Joe Paterno was wronged badly. I do not. But I'm not going to get in and rehash everything from 12 years ago. I'm not going to do it. Whatever your opinion is, fine. Have your opinion. I've got my opinion. You've got your opinion. If we disagree, I'm not changing your mind. 12 years after the fact, I'm not convincing you of anything that you haven't already married your opinion on. And you're not convincing me of anything that I haven't already married my opinion on. Many Penn State fans think Joe did nothing wrong. I think Joe did quite a bit wrong. But again, the issue at hand this week is not about your opinion on whether Joe Paterno was wronged or my opinion on whether Joe Paterno was wronged. That's not the current issue in 2024. The current issue in 2024 is that, and look, some of you may disagree with this, but you need to understand the perspective of the rest of the country. And that is that when the Joe Paterno legacy issue comes up, <coughs> the vast majority of sports fans around the country 
use it to criticize Penn State football. It's an embarrassment to Penn State football. Even if Penn State football fans who love and worship Joe Paterno and want to see his legacy restored, even if you still want to fight tooth and nail for it, you have to understand that when this kind of thing comes up, it makes Penn State look really bad. It makes it makes you look bad. It makes the school look bad. It makes the football program look bad in the eyes and the perception of the rest of the country. And if you're trying to become an elite program and you need every bit of good positive PR and every bit of good in, uh, of good news in your program, every everything that hits the news cycle about Penn State and Penn State football, you want it to be good news. You want it to be feel-good news. You want it to give everybody a reason to come to Penn State. And whether you think Joe Paterno was wronged or not, the fact of the matter is in 2024, when Joe Paterno's name comes up and people want to fight for it at Penn State, it is embarrassing to Penn State, to the vast majority of everyone else in the country. And and that is where I look at Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano and I think these guys, again, undermining the football program, sabotaging the football program because – Penn State doesn't need this to be in the news cycle in 2024. James Franklin doesn't need this to be in the news cycle in 2024. Pat Kraft is trying to raise money to pay for a $700 million stadium renovation. He doesn't need this nonsense from Anthony Lebrano and Jay Paterno to be in the news cycle in 2024. So again, I'm not going to change your opinion. If you think that I'm some kind of wacko and overly critical of Joe or whatever, and if I think you're some kind of wacko and that you're too lenient, it doesn't matter what you think. And it doesn't matter what I think. Public perception matters, people. Public perception matters when you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars at stake. The Sandusky thing tarnished Penn State forever. The Sandusky thing tarnished Joe Paterno forever. If you disagree with that, you're wrong. You might not think that Joe should have been tarnished by it, but he was. And you are never going to change the opinion of the vast majority of the country that lives outside the Penn State Joe Paterno bubble cult. You're not going to convince Hundreds of a couple hundred million people that Joe Paterno did nothing wrong. You can feel it in your heart as strongly as you want. But when this issue comes up, it is embarrassing to Penn State. It is embarrassing to the current football program. It is embarrassing to what James Franklin and Pat Kraft and everyone else are trying to build right now. Okay, so look. I I very rarely ever venture into this stuff anymore because anytime I say or write anything about Joe Paterno, it opens up a, a, a Pandora's box of hatred and vitriol. And I got death threats, and I'm not kidding you, legitimate death threats uh, 12 years ago. 
You know, when I when I when I had the thing with James Franklin earlier this year and he hated my question about the wide receivers, I did have a few people reach out to me and say and kind of wish that I was dead. I do think looking back on it a few months later that, you know, it was really more of an, in a joking manner and just kind of being silly and, and mean spirited on social media. I got legitimate, actual legitimate death threats 12, 11, 12 years ago uh, over the Joe Paterno stuff. I worried for my family's safety the night that the WTAJ TV 10 truck was overturned uh, during the riot in state college. A friend of mine overheard someone say during, during the riot, Hey, let's go burn Corey Geiger's house. That was scary. And I don't rehash all of this stuff really ever. I rarely speak Joe Paterno's name. I rarely ever write about Joe Paterno. I don't write about the history of that stuff. So it's ironic to kind of recap the time frame of the week. I'd gotten into, again, on Wednesday in a radio discussion, how Penn State got here financially. Well, quite frankly, because they let everything lapse. You, you can hear the discussion over the next two segments. Great discussion of how they let the football facilities l- lag behind to where when Bill O'Brien got here, James Franklin got here. They were, they were shocked at how, how, how far behind the football facilities had fallen at a place like Penn State with all the resources. So I got into it all and mentioned Lebrano and Jay and how they were more concerned about the past than the future. This is how you get into problems. And so then all this stuff happens with, uh, with, uh, the board of trustees and naming the field after Joe later in the week. And so look, I'm not getting into this again. You, you know, I, I appreciate a lot of the feedback I've gotten from many people over the past couple of days about the column that I wrote. I feel pretty strongly that Jay and Anthony Lebrano do way more harm than good to Penn State University. I believe that they care way more about Joe's legacy than the football program right now or going forward. And so the bottom line is, I'll just repeat this one more time. We can differ. Agree to disagree. Have a civil discussion on whether or not you think Joe Paterno was wronged or I think Joe Paterno was wronged or what have you. We can disagree on that, okay? We can. We cannot disagree on the fact that the vast majority of people in this country do not believe Joe Paterno was wronged. They do not and will not ever allow Joe Paterno's legacy to be restored. There, Joe Paterno's name is mud to a gigantic per- percentage of people in this country. If you don't want to accept that and don't understand that when these stories come up and these issues come up that they hurt the current football program, then you just don't understand the power of public rece- public perception, the power of name recognition, good or bad. And Joe Paterno did a lot of great things for Penn State for many, many years. But Joe Paterno's name right now, when it comes to Penn State, is not one that elicits good memories for non-Penn State fans around the country who still will voice their displeasure and frustration and anger over everything that happened at Penn State 
you know, more than a decade ago. So this is the last I'm going to get into this. Um, but I, I, again, I just wanted to mention the time frame because it was very ironic the way things played out. Stick around next couple segments. Tremendous, tremendous discussion on how Penn State football got to where it is now and some mistakes that were made along the way. really in-depth on this. It might seem like a very simple question. Where does Penn State fall in NIL in the current landscape of college football? Penn State's got the largest alumni association in the world. Why isn't Penn State doing better? I was asked that question by uh, Jerry in Bellwood on my radio show yesterday. And uh, brought up some subjects that I'm sure he was not expecting. I'll welcome in my friend Mark Wogenridge from All Penn State, the Fan Nation site. Does a great job. Mark's very, very, very intelligent. Let me let me blow the smoke up real quick. Mark's very intelligent. So I enjoy uh, getting yeah. into some of these deep subjects with, with you, buddy. How you doing? Appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. And now we're going to go just to disprove that, that theory. No, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about because uh, yesterday I was asked about NIL and the Alumni Association. And I brought up the STEP program. And I brought up Joe Paterno. And I brought up Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano. And I brought up the fact that Penn State fans and the administration are kind of arrogant. And if you didn't truly know everything that's gone on for the last 25 or 30 years – you might look and say, what the hell are you talking about when you're asked about NIL and the Alumni Association? But j- before I even dis- you know dive into any, do you see at least somewhat of a connection in everything that I've mentioned with regards to where Penn State is right now today financially? Oh, yeah, there's definitely a thread there, sure. Right, and that's what I want to get into here a little bit because – we tend to think of, well, okay, here's Penn State. How does it stack up against these other schools? One of the first things I mentioned yesterday, Mark, was the STEP program, the uh, seat licensing program, which came into effect a good seven, eight, nine years after everybody else in in the Big Ten and a lot of places in college football. And I think that probably cost Penn State in between 30 and $50 million dollars. Would you agree with that? If they could have had 30 to $50 million more from seat licenses, if they would have adopted it much sooner, where might Penn State be financially? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the number. You might have something because I think they were making, I mean, the timing of it, you know, was bad after the fact as well because it, you know, they, it, you know, they started in 2011, which obviously, was, you know, turned out to be about the worst season you could have possibly started. Yeah. But I think they were making maybe four to five million dollars more that first year with, you know, obviously with less, or at least they projected that. I, I do remember mm-hmm. that going back what Tim Curley said, they project to make five million dollars more through the STEP program, even though they're going to sell fewer tickets. And, he, and from memory, so, yeah, sir, I mean, if you five, six years, yeah, you might. You might have something. I want to say Minnesota started theirs in like 2003 or something. Mm -hmm. So here's basically, before we get to the current state of NIL and and the finances of the Alumni Association and all that, how much people are willing to donate, 
I bring up this, okay? You went to Penn State. When I got here in 1999, I heard over and over for six, seven, eight years, Penn State's got it as good as anybody. Their facilities are as good, if not better, than everybody else. They've got everything that they want. You've been covering Penn State a handful of years longer than me. How much did we hear that in the late 1990s and early 2000s that Penn State's facilities are just as good as everybody else, Mark? The last football building was the premier football facility in its day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you buy a house and you don't do anything with it for 20 years. You lose the ability to say that. Yeah, you know, between Beaver Stadium, the last building, having an indoor facility, how many teams had indoor facilities too? Mm -hmm. They were... And the, and, and then you tie that into the apartment complex, you know, the apartments right there that athletes were using. And then you had a central uh, location for athletes to live, you know, basically live and work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the situation through that time was about as good as it got in college football. But and then, then, you know, you remember Bill O'Brien basically saying, bingo. And James Franklin had said it too, but then Bill O'Brien arrived and they had to, you know, install Ethernet ports and, you know, upgrade the office so he could watch film. And James Franklin has said for years, you know, the last building went unattended for a decade. I don't think he means that to be, you know, it's a matter of fact. He's, you know, I don't think he's challenging anybody. He's just stating a fact that it, the building had not been, main, you know, it had not been upgraded, okay, maintained and upgraded or two different things when you're talking about college football. And I had mentioned this yesterday that James, this might have been a salesman pitch that James is pretty good at, but he said he, Vanderbilt had better facilities in some ways yeah. than Penn State, which you know people probably scoffed. I'm mentioning all of this he because... He said a couple of years ago, this, he said a couple of years ago when he was beginning to push this, when they, you know, when they were doing that coach's caravan, he said Penn State was 13th at the time of 14 Big Ten schools in facility. And this is pre-NIL. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is, I remember him saying in New York City, Penn State ranks 13th of 14, you know, of the 14 at the time Big Ten programs in, um, in facilities spending on football. So when he was you. I'm not shy about saying that at that time. When we're broached with the subject now of NIL and why doesn't the Alumni Association do more, I'm telling you that Penn State's been behind. For 20 years, not that yeah. not that they're behind right now today, which they clearly are. I'm bringing all this up because Penn State's been behind for 20 years. They they let this go. They didn't get the extra money from the step from the seat licensing program, which they could have years before. And yeah, that pissed everybody off, but they would have made more money. They could have uh, uh, addressed Beaver Stadium a lot quicker. They still have not yet. They're going to spend $700 million on it. What if they'd have done this 15 years ago? Might the cost have been significantly less? So my point with all this is when we're when we're tasked with finding out where Penn State is financially today and why James Franklin wants more NIL money and why the school needs all this to keep up, I come back, Mark, with they've been behind for a long time and, and it just took everybody too long to realize that. I can't disagree with that. I there is a there's a, you know, there, you have a lot of compelling research, um, or a lot of compelling evidence uh, to that point. And it go, I think there's also, 
there's a mentality of Penn State football fan um, that, and, and this goes this goes across the board with college football fans, generally speaking, and I understand it in that the evolution of NIL is going to get to the point of saying we haven't funded, you know. Or, or, or we don't like the idea of paying athletes, you know, paying football players because we haven't done it. It will, you can curl that into what Joe Paterno used to tell donors. <laughs> I mean, his famous line was, I want your money, but I don't want your two cents, mm-hmm. which is a very common line. But that appealed to the donor who spoke, who, you know, that appealed to the six figure, seven figure donor. When you're trying to crowdfund money from people, who spend a couple? Who spend a couple thousand dollars a week to go to Penn State football games? Yep. Maybe ten to fifteen thousand dollars a year, and you're trying to crowdfund them, people who make seventy five thousand dollars, and tell them you need to pay you need to pay the football players a hundred thousand dollars in order to, you know, to compete with with everybody else. Yeah, you're you're running into a wall that has I think that has been there because I think it does go way back. To just the nature of Penn State football in a play, you know, in a stadium in the middle of the state, and that it's a two-day commitment to get there, and and you know, there's just that's a different that's that's a unique situation to me in college football. Maybe Alabama has it to some extent too, um, but I don't know that quite as much. But you know, the weekend commitment, seven weekends a year, pile the step on top of that. Yeah, we spend enough money. Logan Rich from All Penn State, the Fan Nation site. So now I want to get into James Franklin. This is in a little bit of an uncomfortable discussion because I think James Franklin's done a hell of a job at Penn State. I truly do. The fact that they won the Big Ten in 2016 is almost unbelievable. I mean, with where they were after the sanctions and the scandal, it, it is it's damn near unbelievable. That that's right. Yeah, that's right. After that after 49 10, Michigan, it's yeah. damn near impossible to believe that they won the Big Ten then a good four to five years ahead of schedule. And if they would have taken another four or five years, maybe what what happened is James Franklin has ramped up the expectations because he, he found success way quicker than anybody else would have thought. And then they had great success. And, and look, people might think I'm pretty critical of James and, and I can be, but I, I think the guy's done a pretty damn amazing job at Penn state. However, there are a lot of Penn State fans that don't believe that, Mark. You know this as well as I do. You're on social media. You see the comments. You see the feedback, whether this is a small minority or not. Quite frankly, Mark, I think that there is a very large number of Penn State fans that can't stand James Franklin. So now the school has to go ask them for their money. Are they going to give their money to a coach that they really don't like? I can't. Yeah, I can't speak. For the fan base from that perspective, I can say that I've heard individuals say that. And I wouldn't, I, you know, I. But if you get not, enough individuals, not, yeah. if you get enough individuals sure, exactly. collectively I've, and you get this, you, you, you get right. this groundswell, sure. James can do something good. Penn State can do something good. And yes, maybe it is just the nature of the knucklehead a-holes on social media nowadays. But 
feedback on on social media sites will be, oh, you know, it'll still be critical of him. So it's almost like the guy cannot win to to again, I don't know what the percentage of the fan base is, but I think it's a pretty large number. Victim of success that you mentioned, it, it could be there's an element of that too. Uh, there's an element of who you're losing to. Yeah, absolutely. Because because you're locked into this third place position. So, I mean, I, I, I can hear the voices of a couple of people, again, a couple small number of people who I have talked to who will vent to me about this. This is essentially saying I'm not going to give money until I'm, you know, they deserve third place money or they deserve third place support because right. of third place team. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this isn't, we're stepping into a new, into a new world here, obviously. Um, but those elements. And then, and then this season in particular, uh, I heard that more, at least more acutely. I don't know, you know, broader. I, I don't know that it's a broader number, but I think more acutely. I was at, yeah, I was just at a, at a retirement party a couple of weeks ago. People who wanted to talk about that again, very small number. This is a couple of people, but shaking their head. I don't know if James Franklin is the guy who can win. And I would, I mean, I did say, you know, why, why, why do you say that? Because they've been in position now several times to win. And if he gets, you know, you know, if he gets the support, the additional support that he's asking for, the continued additional support, Maybe there's a trigger there. Maybe yep. there is something there that triggers. But the chicken and the egg. He's not get, he's not getting yeah. that support until right. he beats Ohio State consistently, right? That's the issue. That yeah. people who want mm-hmm. to criticize him, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. If they don't want yeah. to give their money and they don't want Penn State to be equal in NL and some of these other things because they need to see James prove something more first, how is he going to prove more first if he's not getting everything that he thinks he needs? Yeah, consider the reaction of Ohio State losing two games. They wanted to fire the season. guy. They wanted to fire Ryan Day. Right. But right, exactly. But then consider the reaction after that of how they have essentially just you know, shot the program into orbit yep. right now, at least in, from an offseason perspective, with retention and with portal additions. And I mean, you know, Penn State has done something similar, but it has not been uh, to the level. Ohio State ranks ranks eighth in the 247 transfer portal rankings. They added two five-stars, three three four-stars, one five-star. Penn State ranks 46th in transfer portal with zero five-stars, two four-stars, three three stars. And we heard from James yesterday. They got some good players. They got Julian Fleming. They got Nolan Ruggie. They got A.J. Harris. They got some good players. Can Penn State afford to pay to the kind of players that Ohio State is apparently getting? That we don't know. I and and I would I would say truly say that we do not know because I think there's a lot of misinformation that goes around regarding what uh, NIL collectives have, you know, what they're able to fund and how much they're at and how much players are actually getting, truly actually getting. And I don't mean incentivized uh, NIL contracts, things like that. We truly we do not know that, but I think you can. You could deduce from the fact of the, the, the type of player that they were able to retain at Ohio State, some of you know, the player retention they were able to keep. Um, even the, the, the discussion, even that Marvin Harrison was in the discussion to of, stay of, of, of potentially returning, mm-hmm. 
clear it wasn't going to happen. But even if that was part of a discussion to have shows that there is um, there was a commitment to that. And Penn State replaced, retained some really good players. Keen Beam and Advine Ellis, you know, and I, were huge, uh, I think. And, and as you said, they brought in the players. Um, but have they have they retained the kind of game-changing players Ohio State has retained and have they gone out and gotten the potentially game-changing players that Ohio, that Ohio State has gotten to get? The reaction after losing at Ohio State seems to me far different than the reaction at losing uh, after losing at Penn State. I, I you know I see maybe more of a you know from Penn State I, yeah, as you mentioned. I want to see more. I want to see us beat these teams until we get the money. At Ohio State, I feel like they're throwing it, you know, they're, they're throwing it at the lawn saying, Ryan, this is it. This is your last shot. We're going to give it to you here. We're going to, you know, here's the vault. We're opening it. Go. You don't win. And I think, you know, we might be done here. The population of Columbus, Ohio is 906,000 people. Population of State College, Pennsylvania is 39,525 people. I don't know all the businesses in Columbus. I don't know who they got paying for everything. Seems to me like it's Blaze Alexander and basically nobody else at Penn State. Um, if you're trying to keep up with Ohio State, 900,000 is bigger than uh, Pittsburgh's only 300,000. I mean, uh, Pit, uh, Columbus is bigger than, in population than Pittsburgh and I believe Milwaukee combined. All right. That's major league cities. And so, uh, you brought up on the show a few weeks ago, uh, Penn State had a record number amount of revenue, like $200 million, and Ohio State was $279 million. <laughs> so, again, now, uh, that, 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 those are all just stats and facts and, and everything. I want to bring up one more thing about Joe Paterno. Joe could say, I want your money, but I don't want your two cents. And everybody would just right. give it to him because he was Joe, and Joe was bigger than everything, and Joe was the largest figure in life, and and people who'd supported Joe for 30 and 40 years, and they could just get it. James Franklin is not Joe. So for whatever reason that people don't like James Franklin, for whatever reason, I think the biggest reason is that he's not Joe Paterno. And so if James needs the money, and Joe could just say, I'll take your money, but I don't want your two cents. What can James do to get the money from people that still hold it against him that he's not Joe Paterno? Yeah, you have to cultivate the newer crowd that doesn't know Joe Paterno. I mean, yeah. we're, you know. The younger people, but Mark, they don't make as much money. They Those aren't the multimillionaires sure. that have the huge money to give. So Yeah, but you go get some of the tech kids. Or, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's you cultivate. There is a younger generation. I'm talking about, you know, I mean, you could talk potentially elder millennial types who didn't have, they didn't have the deep seated connection with Joe through the national championships because you're talking 30 years, you know, since yeah. the last undefeated team and 38 since, announced, since the national championship. So there is a generation of people who don't have that experience. Um, you know, grew to love Joe, but didn't have the, did not have the elite success that I think the generation, our generation and up with, you know, having seen that success, that success and the money to back it up. Um, I don't know who the anonymous donor at Missouri was who just dropped $62 million on their athletic department with, you know, 50 to the stadium and 12 to the NIL fund. 
But can you imagine? I mean, I, I would imagine Patrick Kraft and James Franklin are texting about that, saying, you know, Missouri's got one ten win season, and you know, in a decade, they're getting sixty two. You know, where's our night? Because and, Terry Pagula gave a hundred to hockey. Yeah, so there's somebody. There's got to be somebody else out. Is, there, is there? Is there? Ira Luber. Ira Lubert spent his money on Kale Sanderson. Where? Who else? Right, exactly. who, who else is out there? Well, I, I, that's but I'm, my point is that's an, even an anonymous donor yeah, who yeah. dropped that. So that there's there has to be someone. I don't know where that cultivation comes from. If you're not getting the sixty, then I think again you go to this younger generation, and maybe that's part part of that will come. I think maybe from from the stadium, in that you are going to be putting. Uh, Sweet level access, so that you know the younger generation then will be able to buy low seats and maybe even field suites, things like that. You've got the tunnel suite sort of thing. I, you know, that's maybe how you cultivate the higher donation people in stadium um, is giving them access to more upgraded, you know, an upgraded experience at Beaver Stadium. That I'm four years away, but I, I do think that's part of it. If you don't have sixty. Can you go get 15 people and get five, you know, four or five from them? You know, some of the new, the newfound money from, like I said, the newfound money from the elder millennials. And let me, or at least people who have not been around the program or maybe finding their way back. And let's say, I think Patrick Kraft is doing a hell of a job. The, all these things that we're talking about, folks, this is not in any way a reflection on James Franklin or Patrick Kraft. I'm giving you the history lesson of how we got here. And part of that is 10 years ago on his way out, Bill O'Brien slammed his hand, fist into a windshield and yelled about the Paterno people to Dave Jones from Penn Live. Mm-hmm. Two of those Paterno people are still on the board of trustees and probably can be forever because they've got a tremendous amount of backing mm-hmm. in Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano. I believe personally, I hate to put you on the spot here, but I believe personally, Jay Paterno and Anthony Lebrano do not want James Franklin to win a national championship period. Because I think in their minds, that would take away from Joe. And so whether you agree with that or not, I mean, you don't, you don't have to even comment if you, if you want to. In my opinion, I do not think you have sitting board of trustee members that even want your head current head coach to win a national championship because they're more concerned about the legacy of a previous coach. Is there any other school in this country that deals with that? To my knowledge, no. I won't wait into where I stand on that, but I can tell you, you're not alone. And there are prominent people who absolutely agree with you on that subject. People who are involved at Penn State who agree with that idea. And obviously, Jay, and I've spoken with Jay about this, and he's, you know, flat. No, of course, that's ridiculous. And so they've got a lot of backers. Perspective there. They've got a yeah, lot of backers, that. those oh, yeah. folks. He won. Yeah. Anthony easily won. Um, Re-election. So are their backers going to give the kind of money it takes? You see what I'm getting at? Are there, if yeah. you have people that are not fully 1 billion percent on board, are they yeah. going to sign the kind of check? You see, you see how I'm layering all, every single component here is, is, is an element of why these people aren't giving the kind of money you would think they would with the largest alumni association in the world. As you said, that you know, that is a layer that that isn't that's a real that was a layer of it when I think NIL started. I think it was important for Patrick Kraft. One of his most important moves that he made is to kind of wrestle 
the uh, the collectives from that sort of control and put them into other hands. Uh, Happy Valley United, uh, for its fault, is a different collective organization than what Success with Honor was and what Lions Legacy Club were and what all these other disparate elements were. This is trying to be more of a professional fundraising collective as opposed to an alumni faction collective. And there were and there was a lot of infighting there. I do believe that there's less infighting. I do think that there's less politicking with regard to that, but it's still um, there's still I don't know that other collectives are fighting that. That's, you know, to your point, I don't know that other collectives are fighting the faction or at least their factions get along better that they're, you know, they're on a, a one purpose. They might argue politically about, uh, you know, you know, within themselves, but their, their larger purpose is one goal. And as you said, there are people who do not, who are not, at least haven't been in the past, committed to that one goal you know what mark favorite word is alignment and he hasn't had it i think it's pretty damn amazing what all james franklin and penn state have accomplished despite everything that we're talking about in all in all honesty i've just given you eight roadblocks that would lead that would lead any coach to want to put his fist through a windshield and yell about whatever number of people and James has done a pretty damn good job, despite all of it. The uh, the elephant in the room is that they've got a seven hundred million dollar renovation on the stadium. We don't even have to get into that because that speaks for itself. I just want to close with this: given everything that we've talked about, and given that Penn State was so far behind in so many areas, not the least of which was the sanctions and the scandal. I mean, for God's sake, that they right. still had to pay a lot for. <laughs> Has Penn State outperformed? Because you got a lot of these fans that uh, they're only going to judge everything on Ohio State and Michigan. And none of this has anything to do with the fact that Penn State blew it on in Columbus this year. I still think Penn State had every bit as good of a roster as Ohio State. And they showed up with a terrible offensive performance and they lost. Nobody wants to hear any of this stuff we're talking about on that Saturday in Columbus. But by and large, when you take a look at the whole big picture of what Penn State has accomplished, given all of these areas... Does James Franklin deserve more credit, more benefit of the doubt, less vitriol from fans, more money from the Alumni Association? Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about what I was up there yesterday. James Franklin spoke to the media for the first time this year, and he was asked a general question, state of college football, and he went into the big picture uh, elements about NIL and the portal and, you know, coaches leaving, all that sort of thing. Just the broader issues that would want to make somebody leave college football coaching. But I think everything you've mentioned here, you've drawn a line that you could say, just point to James Franklin specifically, what is keeping him at Penn State? Because he's got to deal with every one of those big picture college football issues that every other coach has to deal with. In addition to all these other things that hamstring him, that have, you know, that tied an arm behind his back for longer than the sanctions really should have. Mm -hmm. I mean, he came in, the sanctions were beginning to be lifted, those elements, but it continued, right? The the university itself continued, I think, to hamstring him. Um, 
the you know the leadership and exterior support, all of that sort of thing, continue to hamstring him. Certain things I think probably you know he needs to be reined in because otherwise they might be they might be building a five hundred million dollar football dorm if he had his way. And do they really you know yeah that's something you can argue that that would be benefit absolutely benefit the football program, but what's the larger benefit for the university? Yeah. So where would that you know could you could you justify spending that at a time when the university's got this huge budget that they're cutting? So I tend to, you know, for me, that's one of the points I try to, I, I, I tell people is that he should have had, he's had one, four and five season in a COVID year. I think he probably should have had three, four win seasons when he's been here, quite frankly, mm-hmm. but what he was saddled with over the course of, you know, starting in 2014. And I think what he really didn't even realize he was getting himself in, into with regard to all the other minutia uh, that that you mentioned, the fact that he's got more ten win seasons than losing seasons to me, if you want a big picture, that that's you know yeah, that's worth the contract extensions that he's been getting. It's pretty remarkable. And again, all of this, yeah. all of this discussion, and this is great. I, I can't pre- uh, thank Mark enough for going in details with all because all this just comes down to expectation. Uh, the expectation of what Penn State should be. What it really is, it's a 10 and 2 program, and that's just what it is. So many people want it to be more, and maybe it can be at some point. But again, all of these are obstacles that if people just want to look and say, ah, James Wrangell's a terrible game day coach, and they lose to Ohio State and Michigan all the time. Okay, fine. You can have that discussion all you want. But there are so many other layers to all this that, that again, I, my conclusion is I think James has done a pretty remarkable job there are things we can criticize him for but he's not joe paterno so that's always going to be held against him and then two i'll go back to what i said earlier mark i think he's a victim of his own phenomenal early success if they don't win it in 2016 he he raised the bar so high in 2016 and and again quite quite frankly 17 18 19 they would have they would have made a 12 team playoff all those years if there had been one so it, it is interesting the way that whole scenario played out yeah, I think this is a team that's on the cusp, that but is perpetually on the cusp, cusp because some of it's self-inflicted, some of it is just where it you know, where it is in the college football landscape at the current moment. That it didn't take advantage after 2016. I don't think Penn State took advantage, wasn't able to financially take advantage of the position that it was in for whatever reasons, for whatever hundreds of reasons that there were. Um, And so then here they sit at, at a really high, you know, at a really high level there, you know, he was driving a bus when he started. Now he's at 35,000 feet, you know, like cruising altitude. And he's just trying to get up to the rest of everybody else. 39 or not everybody else, but those couple of programs, but the government cruising at 39. Awesome. Awesome discussion, buddy. I really appreciate your insight and analysis on all this, man. Thanks. For, yeah, sorry. Sure. I love the Corey. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Mark Wogenridge from All Penn State, the Fan Nation site. 